Welcome back to another episode of Out of Home Insider, the loudest voice in Out of Home. AWS, one of the biggest conferences of the year in Las Vegas, is just a few weeks away, which makes today's episode that much more timely. Today's guest is Jeremy Watkins. Jeremy is the founder and CEO of Spotlight Outdoor, one of the premier publishers in the Las Vegas market. We talk about everything that makes Las Vegas such a unique out-of-home market, how the out-of-home landscape there has changed over time, the tips and tricks to be ultimately successful with your campaign in Las Vegas, especially if you're planning a conference type of campaign. So sit back, relax, enjoy this episode. And without further ado, let's go. Welcome everybody to the Out of Home Insider Show, a podcast like no other, hosted by the one and only Tim Rowe. Get ready to have some knowledge dropped on you and to be entertained because nothing's more valuable than food for your brain. So sit back, relax, we're about to dive in as the best industry podcast is about to begin. Jeremy, I'm really excited. I, I, I would say for the listening audience and the viewing audience, having you back but we've actually already had this conversation one time. Unfortunately, the file became corrupted. You've been kind enough and willing enough to, to, to come back and do a re-record. So we're going to try to capture lightning in a bottle a second time here. Jeremy, thanks so much for being yeah. here. No, Tim, anytime. I appreciate you, you having me. And hopefully the the, uh, the sequel's uh, better than the original. I think it, I, I think that it's got the potential to, because we've already now had a practice run at it. We've got a really good sense of uh, some of the stuff that I think w- would really resonate with the audience. And we're going to do uh, our best to to guide that conversation. Jeremy, we start with everybody, the origin story. How the heck did you get in and out of home? Oh, man, Tim, I, uh, I was living in um, Manhattan Beach. And uh, I got a, a job offer to come to Vegas, right? And uh, my, my, my degree is in sports management. And so I came out here to work with an arena football team called the Las Vegas Gladiators. And I had a short stint there. My boss ended up going off to, a, uh, to, to manage a mobile billboard company called Big Traffic. This is uh, back, you know, 2005, 2006. And so, um, you know, shortly after he took the, the role there, he uh, picked up the the phone and I was making, you know, kind of uh, peanuts at, at the time and said, hey, why don't you come over here and uh, jump into sales? And so kind of at the time in my early career, I hadn't really figured out what I want to do yet and nothing had really clicked. And so um, lo and behold, I fell into in love with outdoor and out of home. And I became a, a sales rep for a company called Big Traffic, uh, basically selling mobile billboard trucks in Vegas um, at a time when they weren't really as accepted as uh, they are now, you know, so you can only imagine back then knocking on the doors of Caesars Entertainment and MGM Resorts. And so, yeah, that's how I got my my start here in Vegas back in, you know, again, 2005, 2006 and out of home. I've been here ever since. It's pretty awesome. I want to I want to double click into what is the mobile uh, a billboard market of Las Vegas because there's some some unique nuance, but maybe take us back in time to that early inception phase where mobile billboard trucks were new on on the Vegas Strip, right? That's the Yesco iconic building, all of this uh, digital neon. Over the course of time, Yesco has obviously expanded into being a great outdoor company, but Vegas has its roots. Outdoor, in a way, has its roots in Vegas, but mobile billboards, you're saying, were 
pretty new and probably like you had to do some explaining along the way. What was that like? Big time. Um, yeah. So it was so Tim, it was interesting because at the time, you know, people kind of uh, the idea of a mobile billboard truck were those kind of girls direct to to you trucks. And so that was sure. really, uh, you know, the first comment was, hey, are, are those the girly ads? And it was like, no, we actually have a legit business. I want to say at the time there was maybe 11 trucks in the entire market. And so it was tough, you know, from a standpoint of what the perception mm. of the medium was. But, you know, to us, it was very simple and easy to be able to say, hey, you're going to have a 200 square foot ad directly in people's face where they're walking or driving on the Las Vegas Strip. And you control the message, you control the, the route, you control the time. And so... I just found it to be a very simple pitch in that regard. And, um, you know, it just kind of, kind of it took off, right? I, I think that the clients were really understood that. I think they, once they understood the legitimacy of the company Big Traffic at the time, we weren't doing any of those, you know, mm -hmm. ads. And I think when they saw the effectiveness and just kind of the lack of, uh, of um, out-of-home waste, right? It was... They were only paying for the time they were on the road. And so they could really control that from a messaging standpoint, whether it be a show that was running only on the weekends, we could really target that weekend crowd. Or if it was a, a gaming message, you know, clients wanted to run throughout the entire year. So, um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. You know, you go from 11 trucks to now, I, I want to say the ordinance allows like 100 and, 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 and what does that mean? The ordinance, so Las Vegas as a municipality only allows there to be a, a, a hundred mobile billboard trucks. Is that correct? So back in my, you know, former sure, years, sure. Right? So, so back when I was the owner of Create, um, yes, I think the mobile billboard started to take off so much that um, Clark County uh, lost Vegas um, became the only municipality to actually create the first small billboard ordinance done in the United States. And it wasn't wow. only surrounding the, the quantity. I think more importantly, it was a, a surrounding for the quality, right? You couldn't be pulling an ad on a truck. You had to carry okay. the proper insurances. There were actually safety guidelines, um, you know, so many things that are involved in the business as a whole. And so um, because I think the mobile billboards really kind of the Vegas Strip became known for for them, you know, so Clark County saw the opportunity to to say, hey, if we're going to do this, let's do it right. Let's create some standards. And so there you have it. It's an interesting microcosm. And I think we could come back and just snip out that kind of five or six minutes in there. It's a master's class on selling mobile billboards. It's such okay. a practical way that, 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 that you laid it out. I really appreciate that. But also is evidence of, hey, we were having so much success that we, it was creating some you know, inconsistencies and maybe some unscrupulous practices and things that were yeah. compromising it. So we need, right. It became so big that yeah. the government had to step in. What a, I mean, I, I think that truck side nationally, or maybe even internationally almost wishes that that was a problem was that it was doing so well that right. we needed a government to step in, not, not saying that we need more, more government oversight, but that's a testament to how much success there was in the market. Yeah, no, there, there was a, um, 
A ton. And I, I think the other, you know, challenge that what was happening is, you know, the Las Vegas Strip, right? The really kind of core core of it, you're looking at a little over two miles long. Mm-hmm. And the, the reality mm. is if you didn't have control over the quantity of <laughs> you know, you're, you're going to create a traffic flow issue, right? It could be an issue. And yeah. And so, um, I don't know where they can came up with that figure. A, a, a hundred was the right one, but um, you know, if they allow things just to continue on, you know, you could have 100, 200, 300, 400, and now you're running to issues of, of a, you know, a guest experience, right? I mean, people still want to get, you know, from their Uber, from the airport to, to, to the hotel, uh, you want to be able to basically travel up and down. So yeah, it, it became so, welcomed and, and had done so well, create so much value for clients that yeah, at a certain point they had to kind of hit the brakes and, um, you know, just not overcrowd uh, the streets. So, so interesting. And, and yeah. obviously you, you're, you're a Las Vegas local. You've been in the market now two decades um, and, and your own portfolio and spotlight has since emerged from really this beautiful, you know, inception moment that was a long time in the making. So tell us about Spotlight. Who is Spotlight? How is it different than obviously the, the, the truck side conversation that we've had so far? Spotlight, premium inventory, some of the most iconic placements in Las Vegas. A lot of that really developed from scratch. Things that, that were not traditional ad spaces that you've helped develop over the last few years. I'd love for, for the audience to get an understanding of who Spotlight is and, and, and what it is that y'all are doing. No, thank you, Tim. Um, so Spotlight was, you know, the, the, the embryo of it to, to kind of uh, what we are now. You know, it, it started with the, uh, the touchdown towers, which are essentially, sure, sure. you know, the elevator wraps that connect the, the pedestrian bridges on Las Vegas Strip. And the reason I, I bring those up is those kind of started from the great media days with the mobile billboard trucks. And we realized we had to be a little bit more than just mobile trucks. We wanted to, to diversify and expand. And so we, we saw open inventory on these big 40 foot tall glass, you know, elevator wraps and um, realized that there, there was, you know, some nuances as to why you can advertise on there. You know, there were county property on private land. There, uh, there were existing, um, you know, easements that that had to be um, uh, basically granted in. And so, um, started there from like the iconic space standpoint. And you know, that uh, began with a partnership with Caesars Entertainment. Um, that really parlayed into more elevator wraps on the strip and partnerships through MGM Resorts. Um, partnerships through the showcase mall. And so the, then about, about a, you know, a spotlight started about a year and a half ago when I, uh, I separated from Crate Media, which obviously they're, they're very well known for uh, the mobile billboard trucks. And um, from uh, the elevator wraps, um, you know, we formed a partnership with Caesars. I think they had been really pleased with, you know, kind of the revenue generated that they opened up a, an RFP for their uh, their marquees um, on the Las Vegas Strip, which um, again, when you talk about ordinances, you know, there there had been some um, loosening 
of uh, uh, regulations on the strip to allow um, uh, essentially um, additional national advertisers on the marquees. And so we we won won that. And, um, you know, COVID hit. And I think what ended up happening, Tim, is, you know, it kind of created an opportunity to to kind of, you know, leave the mobile billboard history, you know, that, that I had had uh, behind and, you know, kind of move off into a new uh, direction. And so, um, you know, I sold Create Media, focused on the uh, billboard trucks, and basically took that elevator touchdown tower inventory, took that marquee inventory, and started Spotlight in uh, February of 21. Um, and here we are. And so that's kind of allowed us to focus on, you know, unique advertising opportunities on the strip. Uh, we just landed the uh, uh, LIDS Digital Spectacular. It's beautiful. Yeah, which is really the only unit so far that really lends itself to that 3D force perspective application. I don't know if you guys have been able to see, we've been able to really kind of knock it off with some really cool ads, right? From, you know, the really cool things Circus Lay's doing. They were the really first big brand that to jump up on the board. Um, Aristocrat had an incredible, um, you know, 3D Buffalo coming at you during a G2E. And um, what's great is that there's a lot more interest, a lot more things coming on for, for next year with that particular screen. And so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, got some of it up here on screen for the listening audience. Definitely come back and check out the YouTube and we'll link to, to spotlight social. Cause it's full of uh, the content for this canvas is, is really such a unique opportunity. And, and I'm, I'm assuming, and I would love to hear the feedback from, from the brands, the creative canvas that this is they're using it in exciting ways. They're not just throwing a brand ad up there and saying, Hey, I've got, a whole bunch of shiny space to throw this thing up on. They're really taking, they're taking risks. They're testing limits. They're what, what, what's that feedback been like from the brands around opportunities like, like the lids tower. Yeah, so you know, what's interesting is I, I, I'm almost Tim, even, you know, more excited for what's to come for next year. Cause if you really think about it, you know, that this board just became available mid year, right? So you have a, a lot of brands already planned out there, their media spend. And so when we we introduced the, the board, I think it was really Cirque du Soleil really saw it along with our partnership with them and looking at the board saying, hey, you know, to, to your point, let's just not just put a Cirque du Soleil ad up there and use our, you know, our, our general content we're using across the, you know, the canvas for Vegas. Let's create something special specifically for this board. And so um, it started with them. Obviously, we we put that out to the local out of home world and the national out of home world. And I think brands really started to uh, uh, get excited. And that's where you see that hard mountain do the aristocrats. So we even have you know Cirque du Soleil going back to the drawing board now and saying, how do we make this even better for next year? Or you have aristocrat, you know, who is you know invested the type of money they did on that particular ad, and maybe hopefully in running uh, longer term. So yeah, we're we're literally six months in with this board. Wow. So I can only imagine what's going to come. You know, as our teams out there kind of pushing it and sharing these really cool creative opportunities. Can only imagine for next year. You know, some of the really cool things we're about to see. It's exciting, and 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 it, as we're having more conversations coming into the end of the year, one of the, and 
I don't know if it's a sign of the times or maybe just a reflection of some more of the conversations with the types of brands we're working with over at one screen, but I'm seeing more creative teams get pulled into the conversation earlier than I have historically. Interesting. Purely anecdotal, sample size of one, but yeah. over the last six weeks, I've seen more creative teams involved from the brand side in the planning phase, which is really exciting because I think when we, anytime we can get the creative folks in the room and really seeing the, the, the formats and the opportunities and, and how they can be used together to create a campaign, that's when exciting stuff starts to happen. Oh, no, it's huge. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. You know what's cool, too, is, you know, we, um, our, our sister agency is called a, a Company 8 ad group. And, um, you know, they obviously kind of act and work on, on their own, but they're, you know, they work with us on this particular screen. So when we, we brought the screen on board to our inventory, you know, we, we had them really be kind of become the experts on the screen and how the creatives built. And so it's nice because we have them as a internal asset to be able to lend a helping hand on ideas um, because, you know, the, the, the 3D, the layout of it is completely different, right? You know, there, there are certain rules you have to follow particular to, to the screen from what the viewing angles are. So um, yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, exciting stuff for sure. Right. It's still just a two dimensional surface. So yeah. it, it really is a lot of magic of the eye and the design that's creating that effect. And there's no, projection of that's coming out of the screen that's just all creative chops which is amazing yeah yeah no it, it is and I, I don't know if I, I addressed the question you had earlier on the feedback with the clients but you know the clients obviously some of them being local will go out there watch the ads and you know they're you know the, the biggest takeaway for 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 me hearing from them was they they want to create memorable moments through a a, a, a tourist journey on the strip and, you know, it's one thing to have the big splash, one thing to have the right frequency in place and mm -hmm. obviously have the assets in the, the right, you know, areas for a good out of home uh, campaign. But when they talked about the memorable moments and the association with the lids board be because of the 3D element is I would say the probably the, the, the most, you know, valuable feedback that we've had that they're just willing to invest just to capture the, the, that sort of experience from a tourist standpoint. And you have the, the photos and the pictures and the reposting and all that. So for a client to and a brand to understand that it's more about creating that experience, you know, through the, this, obviously, you know, Epic board is um, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to hear. It's pretty special, right? It's taking what would otherwise just be an ad and yeah. turning it into a memorable experience for somebody who's in Vegas, right? Like, it is part of the experience. We talk a lot about micro moments and right. These are all inflection points in a real world buyer's journey. And if you can create that, that, that moment where I'm remembering your ad as an experience, a part of my trip versus yeah. I saw your ad on Facebook again for the 1500th time this week, like which of those matters more from a brand standpoint? Sure. You get one pretty report from Facebook that says how many people clicked on it, but just as good fundamental marketers, like, yeah, I'd rather create the brand experience that these people are going to be telling their kids about two decades from now. I'll <laughs> never forget when I saw a buffalo explode out of a billboard. <laughs> exactly. That's incredible. Like, I, I don't know. That's the stuff that gets me excited about it. Um, and, yeah. and, and, you know, so, Jeremy, what are some of the things that folks get wrong in Vegas? You've been there, obviously, 
for such a long time. You're so familiar with out of home. What are the things that brands miss when they're activating in Vegas? Let's say specifically for a conference. We get a lot of brands who are participating in conferences and they could be at different venues, et cetera, but they're not necessarily seeing the ROI of being in a booth and being on the conference floor. So they want to use out of home to activate around the conference and create a larger than life, you know, impact for folks who might be attending that. What are, what are the things that you got to get right? And what are the things that maybe, you know, kind of get missed in, uh, in planning for Vegas? Yeah, you know, a great question. I think the the things that you have to get right in addition to being being missed, right, is I think especially when you look at conferences, you either have the, the Las Vegas Convention Center, you've got the Mandalay Bay Convention Center, you have the, the Venetian. You know, there, there's multiple ones on the Strip. They're in very different areas, right? And so I I think what the these brands miss is the fact Yes. Do you have to take the journey, whether you're here driving in from a feeder market or flying in? How are these customers going from the airport to the, the, the convention center itself? I think what, what's missed is what are they, they doing in before and after the, the show? Mm. And what they're doing before and after the show is they're walking up and down the strip. They're going out to eat, either hosting clients or you know being a client in, uh, themselves. And so they're they're missing that journey when they're not on uh, the convention floor, which I think is the journey that can really resonate with, with the brand. Imagine sitting there eating at the Bellagio Fountains, and you're overlooking the Strip, and all of a sudden on a marquee, there's you know your your potential clients ad or your brands ad playing over and over again. Or imagine walking up and down, being a, a conventioneer. And seeing a, a mobile billboard truck or a taxi ad or a touchdown tower. So I think they miss the the biggest experience. I think they may, you know, kind of run into the trap of, oh, we're at Mandalay Bay and I only want inventory around Mandalay Bay. Well, that's fine. And obviously don't miss that. But you got to really think about what people are doing before and after. They may even be coming into market a day or two ahead of time, bringing their sure. family, enjoying Vegas. They they may be staying after, or even both. So I think they 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 miss. And I don't think people coming here for a conference go go to bed at night at night after they they've eaten. You may have <laughs> sure. But this is not the the town for for that, right? So um, if it's twenty four seven, it's happening all the time. And I, I I know when we have the conversations, we can hear almost a light bulb go off. Mm. The clients going, oh, I didn't really think about that. I was just thinking around the route to the Venetian or the Sands Convention Center. So yeah, I, I would say that would be a really important element that they that they miss. Um, or that I, I think you know should be part more part of the conversation. If there's any mistake made, I would say you know a wrong turn in Vegas can kind of take you from the limelight from an outdoor and out of home standpoint to being in the right spot to really being in the wrong spot. Okay. There are, are real key avenues on how to get from the airport 
to the strip or when you're on the strip kind of to and from. And so historically, you may have a market that's a bit more kind of open and, and broad. And hey, as long as I'm generally around the area, I'm good because there are so many avenues in and out and about. The, 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 the biggest market, we talk about the strip corridor is so tight and compact that if you're on a board that may sound good, or it may look on a map like, oh, it's right there. But if it's on the wrong, you know, left-hand turn away from a, a location, or if it's, you know, on the strip, which sounds good, but it's behind five palm trees, which there are those. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it could look like a great buy and you you could almost be at, at a, uh, a zero impact in my wow. opinion. So I, I would say, you know, and I, I, I think that the, the Vegas market here is really strong, you know, from, from a vendor standpoint, I think the, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of uh, continuity between a, a lot of the companies here. People have been here for a long time. So I'm really confident they're having those conversations, mm-hmm. you know, but if they're, if they're, they're not, those are things brands need to be really aware of because Again, you could be a quarter mile off kind of track and it's just not money well spent. And that's, I think, one of the things that's most beautiful about our industry is there's no data tool. There's no targeting tool that can explain the nuance of a local market like boots on the ground. And that's what's so special about a home. It's not just a billboard. It's not just data that says this is the billboard. It's understanding all of those dynamics, understanding that, hey, this road that's traditionally really good is closed right now because they're doing a construction project and a quarter mile of it's shut. So 80%, right? Like if you don't know these things, you got to ask the questions. There's so many great folks in the markets that can give you this type of insight if you ask. No, no, it's so so true. Like like even too, if you don't mind, I'll I'll give you- Please. So if you're at the convention center, right? They, they host the, the, the biggest ones, CES, you know, so on, so, so forth. So if you go north of the convention center mm-hmm. versus having inventory go, going south, which is when you go south is really the, the, the heartbeat of, of the strip. You go from the wind to Mandalay Bay. That's what everybody knows the Las Vegas Strip of. If you go north, you could be even closer but you really only have one property being the Sahara that's about a mile down that way that is really even a, a relevant property. So if you were to, to buy a placement going, going north versus going south, I mean, Tim, you're talking night and day. Wow. And so yeah, like uh, that's even a small the nuance that people may not realize that the convention center is on the far end of the North Strip you pretty much for the most part don't want to go any further than that. You want to go everything south. South of that. South. But if you're not familiar with the market and you just think, oh my gosh, this is like right there, but it's north, you know? Yeah. Wow. Sure. You're just on the wrong side of the tracks and it's not a good place to be. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a testament to out of home to have folks like yourself that understand the markets, not just how traffic flows, but the formats, how these things all work together. 
Um, and, and I really appreciate you sharing that here today. Jeremy, where are the Latin long? How can folks get in touch with you? Where do they connect with Spotlight Outdoor? Give them all the details on how to learn more and connect with you for their next conversation about Las Vegas. No, thank you, Tim. Uh, go on to spotlightoutdoorads.com. Um, pretty much has all of our information. You know, we're, we're heavily active on LinkedIn. Um, you know, it's kind of really the, the one platform. If you want to see all of our information, what the latest and the greatest is, uh, uh, check us out there. Um, if you want to call, you know, 702-210-7750. Uh, we'll make sure we kind of point you in the right direction. Um, but yeah, that's how you can get a hold of Spotlight. Well, I'm sure you're going to be hearing from folks after this drops. <laughs> we get so many requests, so many requests for Las Vegas. The conference is becoming increasingly popular for these brands to be spending outside of the convention. I think that this is going to be an episode that lives on in perpetuity and pays uh, pays lots of dividends. So, Jeremy, I couldn't thank you enough for being here. Thank you very much, Tim. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. If you found this to be helpful, please share it with somebody who could benefit. As always, make sure to smash that subscribe button. And we'll see y'all next time. Quarter century, I finally came to my senses. I finally got my hand up on the tinted bends, kid. I see the world clear through my tinted lenses. With the dream and the drive, the possibilities endless. Now print that, send this all the way to Tokyo. Take a trip down south, down to Mexico. Next stop, Shanghai, the world-class trade show. First class all the way, because that's how we roll. Yeah, call us the rock star businessman. Rocking shows, we handle business, man. We got our own future in the palm of our hands.